Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines, and we're also going to go over some questions that Bengals fans have been asking regarding training camp and the roster. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Bengals headlines. We made it. Two more weeks until training camp and we get our Bengals back. And with any luck, we're going to have Bengals football straight on through until January, maybe even February. All right, so the big headline, I guess, of the last two weeks was Jesse Bates making the All-NFL Under-25 team. And what a great year he had. Second team All-Pro, should have been first team All-Pro, should have been Pro Bowler, but we're not going to cry over that stuff. It was a great season for him. He topped 100 tackles again, three interceptions, 15 passes defensed. And, you know, it could have been six or seven interceptions. There was a few other passes that he got his hands on but wasn't able to bring in. But it's encouraging that he's around the ball that much and being that productive. Great season. And it looks like it's going to continue. And here's an example of a player. You know, he had a decent rookie year, had a decent second year, and then the light just fully went on and he became one of the top safeties in the league. And it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. He has good health. He's got his head on straight. He's a hard worker. And I like the fact that he took a leadership role and he's been in contact with all the new defensive players and kind of establishing himself as, hey, I'm a leader. I'm going to be here for a long time and I want to be part of a winning program. So Jesse's going to be in line for a new contract, a contract extension. I'm thinking they're going to do it sometime in September. And, you know, before I did any research on it, I was thinking he'd probably get about $12 million a year. But when you look at what the other safeties are getting out there that are top tier, it's kind of near $14 million a year, and I think the Bengals are going to pay him that. So look for, right before the season starts, a four-year deal for Bates worth around $56 million. And in all honesty, he's worth every penny. All right, the other big piece of news, I guess I wanted to go over the what I'm going to call the Elizabeth Blackburn effect. And this is kind of the modernization of the way the team is thinking. I'm liking the fact that the Bengals are embracing their long-term fans. You know, people like Zim Huday, Bengal Jim Foster, you know, a few others that they're finally starting to recognize and bring into the organization. You know, for a long time, it was kind of like, well, we're the team, you're the fans, and here's a wall up, and no one crosses the wall. But the fact that Elizabeth is a little more forward-thinking... You know, she knows the value of involving these fans and the fan base more and and not just have that, you know, you're either on A or you're on B. And, you know, these guys put a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort into this team. Bengals Jim taking people up to Canton to campaign for Bengals. Zim Day carrying the torch every day of the week. You know, these guys deserve their due. Bengals captain's next. I, I did an interview with him, if you listen to the podcast, maybe about a year ago. And one of the questions that I asked was, are you part of the organization or are you involved with the Bengals in any way? And unfortunately, he was not. So I'm hoping that that changes in the future because he's another very intelligent, very loyal, diehard fan. So Elizabeth Blackburn, keep doing what you're doing. The fans out here are really appreciating it. And here we go, you know, 2021 and beyond. Bengals questions. All right, so one of my favorite things to do on the show is go on Bengals.com, check out the Hobson's Choice column, which are the questions that fans are asking, and then give my answers to those questions. And I don't read Jeff's answers prior to this because I want my answers to be uninfluenced and natural and, you know, whatever's on my mind. So with that said, we're going to review the latest Hobson's Choice. 
All right, question one. Do you see any additions to the roster during training camp? Does Adeniji's injury necessitate a move, or do you see enough depth? Can some of the young guys on both sides fill in capably? And what's going on with the cap? It's supposed to be used for extensions. All right, so there's a few questions in there. Let's take them one at a time. Regarding signing any more free agents, I think that anyone they wanted to sign, they signed already. And anyone left out there, you wonder if they're damaged goods or the Bengals know something about these guys that we don't. So I don't see them picking up any more free agents. But what I can see them doing is having some waiver wire pickups as cuts happen You know, prior to the season. There might be a guy or two out there that they feel is better than someone on their roster now. You know, you typically see that happen every year, maybe one or two guys. So I would be on the lookout more for that than going over the list of free agents that are out there now and figuring out, oh, we can sign this guy, we can sign that guy. I don't think they're going to. Regarding positions that we need, we filled in a lot in the draft. But, I mean, offensive linemen, we're always going to need them. If there's anybody valuable out there, go get them, you know, whether they get waived by another team or whatnot. But, again... Teams don't waive good offensive linemen. It's such a premium to have good linemen. It's it's very I mean, Quentin Spain was one example. You know, Buffalo was paying him a lot of money. They got a second round draft pick in there that they wanted to fit in that, that they felt could fill in just as well as Spain. So he was a casualty financially. You don't see too many of them. I think that anybody who gets waived prior to the season starting might not crack our starting five. And then that goes to Adenergy. I mean, his roster spot is now open. And you think, all right, do they sign someone from outside the organization? I don't think so. I think they got that in the draft. You know, when you put in Carmen and Hill and Deontay Smith, I think that that would be the replacements for an identity injury. Now, as far as the young linemen getting opportunities, aside from Carmen, I don't see a lot of opportunities for Smith and Hill. It's going to take some serious injuries for those guys to get in there. Because, you know, you have Suafilo as the backup guard, And then when tackle comes around, I think they would shift Quentin Spain over there rather than throw a rookie in. You know, it's going to take a little bit for those other two guys to get in. But, hey, last year we were down and guys played that you didn't think were going to play. So we don't really know the answer to that. But I think aside from Carmen, you know, you're not going to see the rookies that much this year. And with any luck, you won't because we want everyone to stay healthy. And then regarding cap extensions, yes, you know, they still have space available under the cap, and they're going to use that money to re-sign some of their own. But I know a lot of people get impatient, and you're saying, you know, re-sign Bates right now. I think teams like to wait until training camp and preseason is over. If you look at the Bengals' history of extensions, they usually sign guys that first week of September. And I, and I don't know, I always just thought that that's the way they did it. But when you think about it, maybe they're waiting to make sure the guy gets through the whole preseason healthy you know, you have the whole preseason to kind of work through the contract details. All right, the guy's healthy for week one. Now that week, you give him his big contract. He's all fired up for week one. And I think that's typically why you see these extensions happen in September and not in July and August. All right, next question. Besides Chase, what rookie are you most excited to see in training camp? And which rookie, besides Chase, do you see having the biggest impact this year? All right, so as far as players I'm excited to see, I know you have the Jackson Carmen switch over to guard. You got the pass rushers with Osai and Sample. We want to see how they do. Shelvin looks like he's going to be an NFL player. McPherson, you know, a new kicker. That's always exciting. But the one I'm most excited to see, believe it or not, is Chris Evans. If he can block, he's going to find his way on the field for third down. I mean, you know, Mixon's role is going to be that every down back. They talked about Samaje being a third down back, but I think he's almost going to be a backup to Mixon and get some of those workhorse carries, maybe find his way in there on third down. And of course, Mixon is going to play his share of third downs. But then you have a few plays, a few packages 
where it's like Travion Williams or Chris Evans, you know, whoever makes the roster. I almost think that Evans is going to make the roster, and he's got some really good moves, some really good quickness, a very electrifying runner. He's got great hands, so look for him to get some passes out of the backfield and make some big contributions. So regarding who I'm excited about, I'm excited about all of them, to be honest, but I'm going to give it to Chris Evans. And rookie with the biggest impact, aside from Chase, you know, I have Chase down for 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, and a threat to make the Pro Bowl. The Bengals are going to be throwing the ball a lot. But again, this is aside from Jamar Chase, the most impactful rookie, and I think that's going to be Jackson Carmen. Let's hope that Frank Pollock gets him up to speed. Let's hope that he makes the transition over to guard. He seems like he has his head in the right spot, and he's, he's thinking about all the nuances and trying to get better. I know it's just a guard. It's, it's not a fun position, I guess, per se. But the impact, if he can get in there and really help out in the offensive line and keep Joe protected and bang open some holes for Mixon, I would say that Jackson Carmen would be the one with the biggest impact this year. All right, next question. One guy I was very excited about in last year's draft was Marcus Bailey, but we all knew it was going to be a redshirt rookie season due to injury. Any update on him, his potential on defense moving forward? So it appears that Marcus Bailey is healthy, a full go. He's almost two years removed from that ACL. So I can see him getting in there. Um, You're going to probably see him more on special teams this year, but he could carve himself out a role as a linebacker. You know, there is an opening there. We don't have that many accomplished linebackers at this point. So, you know, I'm I'm assuming they're going to have a couple packages where he does appear defensively, but I'm also thinking that special teams is going to be his main role. Next question. We seem to be thin at the linebacker position. Why are we not pursuing Josh Bynes, who seemed to really stand out at that position last year? All right, so a couple things come into play here. They aren't as thin at linebacker as we think. Yeah, I would have liked to see them pick up someone else, but they do believe in Jermaine Pratt. He's going to be a first and second down linebacker. Then you have Logan Wilson, Davis Gaither to be there on third down. And Logan Wilson's going to play more than that. But you have Marcus Bailey. You know, even Jordan Evans can come off the bench in a pinch. So I, I understand why they didn't pick up a linebacker. I thought they might have drafted one. But for some reason, I don't think they want to bring Bynes back. And believe me, if he was playing to their standard last year, you know they would be bringing him back because he's a veteran. He has experience in the league, obviously. But if you look at his season from last year, it was kind of up and down. It wasn't what we expected to get. He came off that year with Baltimore, where when he went into the lineup, they became one of the top defenses in the league. But he just didn't have that same impact in a Bengals uniform. And, you know, hey, if they bring him back, I'm not going to complain, but I can see why. I think he underachieved on what they thought he was going to do for the team. All right, next question My question is, do you believe that we are done in free agency? As I said before, yes, I think they are done, except for waiver wire pickups. The draft added a lot of depth where they would have signed players. You know, the offensive line, the defensive line. You know, even Jamar Chase at receiver filled a big hole. So, no, I don't see them doing anything else in free agency. Why don't we ever pick up a veteran, experienced quarterback for a backup to Burrow? My opinion is the inexperienced young backups, it leaves us very weak and vulnerable behind Burrow, a real team weakness. So my opinion is they're not going to pick up a veteran quarterback. There's really no one out there. And, you know, Allen showed some flashes. He's going to have another year in the system. They really like him. He had no training camp last year, so, you know, there was a little bit of a learning curve. And the fact that he did show those flashes, they're going to sit tight with him. You know, I mean, he had five touchdowns, four interceptions, 82 quarterback rating, 63% completion percentage. And, you know, those are decent numbers in themselves. But the main number is one in four when he started. 
So I do understand Bengals fans' concern about if something happens to Burrow, him coming back in and it turning into another pedestrian season. But at this point, I know the organization believes in Brandon Allen, and he did show some ability, so he's the guy that we're going to ride, unless there's some major cut right before the season starts. But then you have to bring in a quarterback to learn the system that quickly. You know, that's one of the hardest positions to learn in a week's time. You know, some other positions you have very few responsibilities. Quarterback, you're responsible for everybody. So Brandon Allen will be the backup quarterback this year. Okay, next question. What are the chances of re-signing Geno Atkins? Unfortunately, Bengals fans, we're not bringing back Geno Atkins. It was hard enough to part ways in the first place, and to bring him back, that would just be kind of awkward. And there's too many guys in front of him right now. You know, Geno was hurt with the shoulder, so we don't really know where he's at physically in his career. We don't know if he's got a couple good years left or not. Obviously, he put in a lot of good service with us, and I'm rooting for him. But, you know, you have Reeder, Joby, they re-signed Daniels, Shelvin, the rookie, they're big on at defensive tackle. And then you have Tupo coming back, maybe Wren coming back. So in reality, we have a lot of depth at defensive tackle. So I don't think they're going to bring in a veteran who's a little bit higher priced than some of the other guys. And you don't know what you're getting right now. And, you know, Gino, thank you for everything. But at this point, we don't know how the shoulder's going to respond. We don't know how his legs are after, you know, a bunch of years in the game. The only thing I could see would be if there's a massive amount of injuries like last year and Gino's on the couch unsigned by another team. That's really the only circumstance where I can see us bringing him back. And again, you kind of don't want that circumstance because you don't want to see a bunch of our players go down, especially guys that we've been planning with all spring and all summer. All right, next question. Do you think this defense has the disruptive capability to play like a Jim Johnson's Eagles defense? With all the moves, it seems like we're going to be seeing more creative blitzes. Actually, that's a very good question. It's going to depend on a couple things. So it's going to depend on how well the new defensive line operates. You know, with Hendrickson coming in, Joby, a bunch of players coming back, the, the drafted rookies, you know, we don't know what kind of impact they're going to have. The better that the defensive line is, the more opportunities there are going to be to blitz. But, you know, you can think about blitzing as a scheme, but let's individually think about the players on our roster that are most suited to blitz. Now, Lou Anarumo is a defensive backs guy. So you're bringing in Mike Hilton, and that was one of Mike Hilton's strengths with the Steelers was blitzing. So I can see that being one of the creative blitz packages that we have is sending Mike Hilton a couple times a game. And I think we're going to have good success with that. And then you move on to Von Bell. You know, he's shown that he can play in the box and and mix it up with the big boys in there. So he's another one. You know, he's a great run stuffer, but he's another one that you can see around the line of scrimmage and doing some confusing, clever blitzing between Bell and Hilton and some of the other guys, you know, I think that's a, a good strategy for us this year. And again, especially with Anarumo being a defensive backs guy, I think that the creative blitzes are going to come from the defensive backfield. And then you move on to the linebacker position. We have three really fast linebackers that I think could be utilized with blitzing. Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, and believe it or not, Jordan Evans. He had a couple nice plays last year. Coming off the bench, fresh legs, bang, gets in there, makes a couple plays. And I know that wouldn't be a common answer. You're not thinking of Jordan Evans as being a blitzing force, but he's very, very fast. All three of those linebackers have great speed. So, yeah, let's get creative. Let's first make sure that the defensive line can hold its own. You know, the four guys up front, three guys up front, whatever whatever scheme we're going to be running. But then you get clever. You have those DBs blitz. You bring in a fresh linebacker who's really fast, and you create mismatches that way. Maybe you send a couple guys. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of options, and I'm glad that we have the freedom to mix it up like this with, you know, what are you saying, maybe five guys 
that could be very capable blitzers. Next question. What happened to Scotty Washington, a six foot five wide receiver? I haven't heard anything about him this year. He's still listed on the roster. Hope he gets a fair chance. I agree with you. You know, that's the cycle of the NFL. Players don't get that much of an opportunity to develop. Unless you're a really high draft pick, they're always going to be bringing in someone to replace you and make you fight for your job and earn your way up. And that's that's the case for Scotty Washington. There's there's not much time to develop if you're on the bottom of the roster. So you have to make the most of your chances. Now, I haven't seen much of him play, but he does have the size and the speed to be an option. But the problem is that he's not a contributor on special teams. So, you know, you're looking at a Mike Thomas or a Stanley Morgan. Those guys have a little bit more value because they are adequate receivers, but they give you a lot in the special teams game. And that's really not Scotty Washington's forte. So he's got a lot of guys in front of him to be fighting for receptions and a roster spot. But, you know, as I always say, Scotty, you control your own destiny. Work as hard as you can. Do all the right things. You know, we've talked about it before. You're in the NFL. You have a shot. So most likely we'll see him go to the practice squad this year. But if he can't make a dent this year, I don't know how much longer he's going to be with the team. Next question. What is Darius Phillips' role going to be in the defense and special teams? He has the potential to be a very good punt returner. It's just a matter of working on the ability to catch the ball consistently and not turn the ball over. Because like we've talked about in past podcasts, a fumbled punt return is a major game changer. Now defensively, he's probably looking at the number five cornerback position because you have you know the three starters in front of him. Just by the measurables and the experience, you might be looking at Eli Apple as the four. So Phillips is probably going to be in competition with Tony Brown, Jalen Davis, Donnie Lewis, Winston Rose to see who's going to be that number five, number six corner based on Phillips' experience. And he had flashes last year. I can see him being the number five corner. And like we see at every position, injuries happen. You know, you're the number five corner to start the year. Next thing you know, you know, week nine, you're, you're starting at right cornerback. So we'll see what happens defensively with him. And, you know, that's the role that happened to him last year. He wasn't in the plans to be a starter. And yet, he, you know, he had several starts based on what happened with the other guys. Next question. Hopefully you can shed some light on how effective Coach Pollock has been in changing the offensive line's confidence. All right, so Coach Pollock, let's think about everything with him. He had such success with the Dallas Cowboys that you know he's a good coach. I know he had the players there, but he had to make something of these players. You know, think about some of our first-round and second-round tackles that didn't work out. You know, every one of the draft picks that went to Dallas pretty much worked out and became a very good player in this league. So the thing that's good about Pollock is he's going to be the run game coordinator as well. And Joe Mixon had his best season under him. Billy Price had his best season under him. So it looks like we have the coach that we need here. I know we're all hyping it up like, We're hyping it up like he's a first-round offensive lineman, like, you know, Pollock is going to single-handedly change the line. That's hard to do, but I'm glad that he's getting his hands on these younger players like Carmen, Smith, and Hill. I mean, we'd rather have that than Jim Turner. So to fully answer the question, he's going to be great for the confidence of the players because he's, he's shown success with another organization. He's had a couple of our players had their best seasons when he was here coaching. So all those things make me feel confident, and I'm sure it's making the guys around him feel confident. He's a very intense coach. He's got unique philosophies and training concepts. So I think we got the right guy there. And, you know, time will tell, but he's going to be more of a positive for this team than a negative by far. Do you think James Brooks will ever get the ring of honor? 100%. 
I'm hoping it happens while he's still alive. I'm not saying he's going anywhere. He's got a bunch of years left on the planet. But it's going to take some time. There's a lot of guys in front of him. And I'm not sure how many they're putting in every year. I know they're putting in four this year. If it's going to be four every year, it's going to be more sooner or later for James Brooks. If they stick to what I'm saying is maybe two a year, one a year, make it real exclusive, then he's going to be waiting you know, a few years. But you will see James Brooks in the Ring of Honor. All right, last question. Why isn't Michael Jordan playing tackle with how massive he is? He has been horrible at guard since he came into the league. He can't be worse there than he's already playing. You are not going to see Michael Jordan at tackle. He's still working on grasping the guard position. And, you know, if we look at the most infamous play in years where Burrow got hurt, you know, he got trucked over by his guy. Can you see him on the outside one-on-one against Miles Garrett or TJ Watt or Bosa or some of the other big-time pass rushers? I'll be dead honest, and this is in all fairness to Michael Jordan. He made me nervous enough when he was in there at guard. I could never see him on an island at tackle at this point. It's just too risky after that burrow play. You know, once someone lets you down that badly, it's hard to trust them again. So I'm hoping that Frank Pollock can salvage Michael Jordan's career and turn him into a a solid guard and maybe a backup and and beyond. And truthfully, Michael, it's kind of now or never. You know, if you can't do it now under Pollock in year three, this may be the end of your tenure with the Bengals. But as mad as I was at him for the Burrow play, he didn't do it on purpose, obviously. And you know no one felt worse than him. And that's something he's going to carry with him for the rest of his life and the rest of his football career. So although it sounds like I'm talking a lot of negatives about him, I'm rooting for him. Michael Jordan, you're a Bengal. I want you to be a dominant offensive lineman. It's, you know, there's no more... I'm not seeking revenge on you for what happened with Burrow. It's the opposite. I'm rooting for you. This is your chance... You have a great coach now. Let's go. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to take a deep dive into training camp, and we're going to bring in Tom McLevy, Sands, and another special guest. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.